Alicia Holdaway, your 2020 board president. Scott Robbins, your 2019 board president. Curtis Bullock, CEO for the Salt Lake Board of Realtors. Brad Belke, CEO of UtahRealEstate.com, the MLS for the state of Utah. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us again um, on the Salt Lake Board of Realtors podcast. Today, we have Brad Belke from the MLS, UtahRealEstate.com, joining us. Thanks for coming on, Brad. Uh, We're going to talk all things MLS. So uh, the new big policy that you've heard about and uh, some common uh, policies that are um, violated and then just really clear separation between the board and the MLS. So, Brad, do you want to start there to explain to us the difference between the MLS and the board? Sure. So... And thanks for having me. You know, this is uh, it's usually never exciting to talk about rules and policies and fines, <laughs> we love but I'm it. happy to be here to, to do that. Um, the MLS is uh, uh, just nuts and bolts. It's a, it's a C corporation that is owned by three shareholders, one of which is the Salt Lake Board of Realtors. But we are a completely separate company from the board, and sometimes that gets confusing. We have members that um, oftentimes don't may call the board for questions about the MLS and call the MLS with questions about the board. And um, yeah. so it's always good to remember that the MLS is separate. It is still governed under the guise of the National Association of Realtors. So um, in a nutshell, NAR has a set of model rules and procedures um, for MLSs, and we follow those um, at the MLS here in Utah, which we call Utah Real state.com. Let's talk a little bit about what you got, what your team sees on a day-to-day basis. Um, first and foremost, people can find the rules on the MLS website, correct? On utahrealestate.com. Correct. You can, uh, if you go into the help section the, and um, under uh, one of the tabs at the top, the rules are clearly there as well as the fine policy. And while the rules will put you to sleep at night because they're like 47 pages long, um, we do have an annotated reference guide that's about 12 pages that answers almost every question that we um, see that comes to the MLS commonly. So hmm. if you do anything after this podcast, maybe just read the reference guide in the MLS because it explains uh, almost everything that, that realtors face every day. Cool. Rules wise. So talk to us about some of the most common uh, violations that you see. Um, the number, does anyone want to guess what the number one violation is at the MLS? Ooh, uh, number one, um, it's Listed, but you can't show it. Listed, but you can't show it. And well, Alicia, um, I don't know. I was going to say photos. Anything to do with photos? Yeah. Not enough photos. There's the CEO of the Salt Lake <laughs> Board. See, <laughs> I did something to do with photos. That's what I thought. Missing photos. No, Missing photos. Number one by huge margin. Really? Oh. People not putting photos in. And how many do you have to have? Uh, you have to have, I believe, five total photos, um, and uh, you have to have photos of both the interior and the exterior. All right. So people are putting the listing up with no photos or inaccurate photos. What do you mean by that? So you have a period of time, um, I think, and, and, and you put me on the spot. So I think it's it's five days that you have to have the photos up on a listing. And so the biggest violation is no, they don't put the photos. No photos. On. Yeah. And you can also have a, there's, we have a form where you can exclude photos. Right. If the, if the homeowner doesn't want photos on there, you can fill out an exclusion form and, and, and waive that um, sort of the, the penalty in that rule. And any sort of exclusion form like that um, goes straight to the MLS, not the board. Straight to the MLS. And all violations that are reported are reported anonymously. So if you uh, turn somebody in or you have a complaint, just know your anonymity will be protected. 
And, and if someone wanted to file a complaint about something they saw in the MLS, how do they do that? So uh, the email address is memberservices at utahrealestate.com. Um, but you can just submit a you can submit an email to us, or you can go directly on the listing where it says "click here to submit a problem on this listing," and and I like to say it this way: the, the MLS is not really trying to ever be punitive. We're trying to be educational, right? And we want things fixed, right? We want accurate data. So, for instance, a lot of times people report things like should this home really be a million dollars? It looks like they put an extra zero in. And that's a legitimate, just a mistake, a typing mistake. Right. And, and those are corrected without any fines. Right. And so sometimes people just make legitimate input errors. And, and a lot of our um, probably most common complaints relate to those. And they're fixed, and they're fixed quickly, and that helps everybody because the data is clean. And the link right there on the listing is super easy. Populates an, an email, you send it off, it's anonymous. Yep. Done. And we also have added that to the mobile app. So if you're on the mobile app, ah. you can now report directly from the mobile app. Oh, good to know. So what would be the maybe the second and third largest or, or most common violations? What what are they? Mm-hmm. What do you um, see the most? Late entry of listing. Uh, not explain that so that would be uh you take your listing agreement and part of that we're going to talk about today with with the new policy but currently there's a five business day rule so if you take the listing you have five business days to put it onto the mls and uh and people just don't and And i just want to make sure we're fundamentally explaining when you say take a listing you're talking about signing a listing agreement correct so you have a valid listing agreement in effect and then you have five business days um, to input that into the mls currently yeah. And we have a small percentage of our members just either either legitimately make a mistake, haven't been educated in the rule, or are doing it purposefully. And, and what we're going to talk about today kind of identifies those that are purposefully trying to keep it off. Yeah. Well, unless you have a burning violation in addition to that that you want to talk about, should we? I mean, that's a good bridge over to sure. the, the clear co- uh, cooperation rule. And this is a NAR mandated policy. Yep. So why don't we just start with the basics? What is the clear cooperation policy? So the nuts and bolts of it are the following. So uh, it's it's fairly simple. If you take a new listing, you have a valid listing agreement, and you do any form of public marketing after you take that listing, you have one business day to put it into the MLS. And so an easy example is I, I take my listing on Monday. Technically, under the current MLS rules, you have five business days to put it on. So you wouldn't have to put it on until the following Monday because the weekend doesn't count. Um, But if on Tuesday you put a sign in the yard, that now is triggering public marketing and you would only have one business day from the sign being posted to enter it into the MLS, which would be the Wednesday. Yeah. And um, I don't know if you want to speak to, you talk about the one business day, the iterations that were Went, got, had, were gone through on this rule started first with just 24 hours. Correct. Do you want to give some background as to why the 20 or business day? Yeah. So it, maybe I'll just give some background on the whole rule. But so what happened was, is that, you know, the MLS and I um, I've talked about this before, you know, the MLS started as a book and it was printed <laughs> once a month and we forget that sometimes, but it was a book and it was printed and then it moved from uh, a month to a week and uh, that contained all the actives, all the solds. And that was the realtor sort of main reference guide Bible. To, yeah. to do business, right? I mean, if, if you had a client that was looking for a property, you went to the book. If you needed to do a CMA on how much a property is worth, you go to the book. Mm-hmm. You have, maybe you have to look at 50 editions of the book to figure out what property sold for in that market. 
Um, and, and it was always sort of assumed that cooperation meant you put your listings in um, and I put my listings in and everybody puts their listings in and we have this great database of, uh, of property. And that was really the heart of it. And when, when BMOS moved to the internet in the late nineties, um, it was basically a real time version of the books. And so that gave open a whole host of opportunities for realtors because now I can jump in and see live when a listing goes active and live when a listing goes sold and it made life a lot easier. Can you and imagine not having an online no. database for listings. I, I have printed books in my that's office. Crazy. If you want to <laughs> go up afterwards, I, mean, I can show nuts. you what they look like. Um, <laughs> and so it's always been, and, and it's always been an influx of listings in, listings out. And that's sort of the heart of what I would call residential real estate. Because if you look at commercial real estate, commercial real estate is sort of a hodgepodge. It's not organized. Residential real estate has a marketplace and an organized marketplace because of associations, the MLS, and the rules. And it's really the envy of the whole world. Everybody wants that organized marketplace, and we have it here. And what's happened is over the past 10 years, people have eroded and kind of worked around the rules to kind of poke holes a little bit in the amount of inventory that gets to the MLS. And we are not as bad off as some of the other markets where they've seen 30 to 40% inventory reductions. We don't have that problem in Utah, but that could easily happen if people aren't playing by the cooperation rules. And these rules, so it sounds like, so who creates these rules? I mean, I mean, is there a committee? Is it just one person? What, what is it? So it's start, the MLS rules at least, because there's association rules that Curtis can tell you about. There's a whole set of policies and procedures around that. But MLS is, starts with the longest acronym in the world. It's the NAR, um, Multiple Listing Services Technology and Emerging Issues Advisory Board. Oh, gracious. So we call it the NAR MLS TEIB, IAB, I think. Don't quote me on that. I'm already lost. Yeah, see? <laughs> and, uh, and that group vets what I would call policies throughout the United States. So it's made up of some of the largest brokers in the country, some mid-sized regional brokers, small brokers, a few agents, and a couple MLS executives. And mm -hmm. that group sort of looks at what's happening in the country, like what's affecting this market, mm -hmm. where does policy maybe need to be looked at and written. And um, one of the largest brokers in the country walked in and said, we've got to fix cooperation. The, we need to get back to the heart of the MLS and make sure that the cooperation between our agents is in place. And you know, it's the heart of what we do. And, and this is the example I give. The MLS is a potluck. Okay, you put your you bring your you bring your dinner food and your side salads and your desserts and everybody comes into the potluck and gets to eat from the potluck. What's what's turned in what's happened is that some people are just bringing forks, so they want to eat your food, <laughs> but they just bring their fork to the potluck. And those are the bad actors, right? Those yeah. are the people that yeah. what this policy is really kind of saying: Hey, you don't get the benefit of taking everybody's listings and bringing them back to your client, and you don't bring any of your listings to those people. Yeah, and that's how the MLS was founded, and that's really what this policy governs. I, Brad, I think some of our listeners are. Uh, that's a great answer because some of our listeners might not realize that this rule isn't just made by a bunch of people sitting behind desks at the NAR, but brokers and agents. Like, how many people are on that board of directors who eventually voted on this rule? 
I don't, you know, it's a good question. That, like 900 or like 900, almost like a thousand people, people are so. on the board. Scott yeah. and I were in that room. And, yeah. it, and it was voted on, but was it 97% in favor yeah, of passed. the rule? It passed. Yeah. It, yep. it, but that's a good point because a lot of people think that maybe there's three people in the state of Utah who made that rule. Right. And it's not. You know, we're yep. just carrying out the policy from the National Association of Realtors. And, and I will just say this some of the large brokers that were on this advisory board have a whole process of coming soon and off-market listings. So this policy actually hurts their Hurt business. Right. They knew for the long-term sort of viability of the MLS and the real estate world that the cooperation is more important than a, a subsidiary business model. You know, you, you said that word cooperation, and I think maybe we take it for granted or, or, or if you've maybe not been in the business too long, you really don't understand it. But the idea that I have a listing, I put it out there, and everybody has equal share and opportunity to see it or whatever it might be to to get the data from it or whatever it is. It I, It's not very cooperative or very fair when I hold that listing and try to shop it to specific people or other agents. And I think that's mm-hmm. the, the cooperation and compensation is yep. the second aspect yep. of that. But, you know, to cooperate together as – as a whole, as our industry, as our profession, that saying, yes, everybody can see 123 Jones Avenue and the information about it. And I think also um, remembering at the heart of that is the consumer, mm-hmm. right? I mean, at the end of the day, what is in the best interest of the consumer? It's not holding listings back. It's not getting the least amount of eyeballs on it. So um, this not only has the cooperation and the integrity and viability, as you said, of our industry as a whole, but for the consumer who is at the heart of everything that we do. Yeah. Right? And I think I mean, that's probably one of the best points you could make is, is always looking out at what's best for the consumer who is the client. Um, this is a common question we get at the MLS. Hey, my client found, and you probably hear this as practitioners. I found I've, my client found a property on main street, but it's not in the MLS. That makes the that makes the realtor practitioner look like they don't have the they don't know what the they're doing, yeah. and that's an unfair thing, and that's that is propagated by the um, certain people in the profession itself. And I'm going to play devil's advocate to that story, that situation, because people have brought it to me in the sense that they say, "Well, Scott, if that, if that's me, I'm Scott Robbins, and I hold this listing off market. I'm telling a select group of people." to get multiple offers on my, my client, who I have fiduciary to, to get them multiple offers. How is that not fair? I'm working for my client's best interest, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and But I think the premise to all that is that, you know, you could get maybe more offers or more eyeballs or more exposure if you, you know, put it out there for everybody to see, not just the one or two people that you've done deals with, you know, because yep. so, I hear that. That's what I've heard. That's what I hear people saying. You're actually hurting the sellers because of my the way I do business. I usually get them above asking or multiple offers when I do that. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what world you could live in where less eyeballs means higher dollar. I I, I, I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you show it to five people versus the entire marketplace, I don't know how that results in a, a better situation for the seller. I agree. And, and to add to Brad's point earlier, you know, if one person does that, okay, we sold, what, 18,000 units last year, something like that? Something like that? On the MLS? Yeah. Like 56,000. Same thing, 56, yeah. 18. Yeah. It's all <laughs> rounding up. Yeah. Front, 18, Whatever. Um, That's funny. But if, you know, 4,000 agents start doing that, yeah, you, you think our inventory level levels are low now, 
that's what we're trying to stop. Yeah, I can I can tell you that the San Francisco MLS had at one point just a hundred active listings. So imagine a 100? 100. Imagine a market where where almost everything was kept off of the multiple listing service, and you have to go to seventy five different private listing networks and groups in order to find inventory. That is a a, a horrific problem for 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 not for the consumer. It's a horrific problem for the consumer because yeah. they don't know what is available. Yeah. That's it's funny that that's what you that's what I was just going to say when we were in San Francisco for NAR conference I had a conversation with a, a Bay Area agent about that very thing, and you know here we are just on the brink of an affordability crisis in Utah. Look at where San Francisco and the Bay Area is, supply and demand, yep. right? Drives up pricing. You take the supply down further than what the natural market um, factors are bringing it, and you just it. it, it um, impacts the affordability even more. So absolutely. So should we get into some of the nuts and bolts of the policy itself? Yeah, that'd be great. <clears throat> There's um, Brad. The what is so this one business day rule is triggered um, upon public marketing. I think that's question number one. Yep. What is considered public marketing? So the best examples I can give you are a, a sign in the yard is considered public marketing. NAR deemed that that sign is uh, uh, indicating to the world that uh, um, the property is for sale. Even even if, I'm sorry, even if you say like no showings till next Tuesday. Correct. Just, you can't say it's here, but you can't, no one can look at it for a week. You can't. Yep. Okay. And I, I think I think the reasoning on that, some of the brokers when they were discussing this said, if I had a listing where that was the case, and an agent came to me and said, I have a full price offer for you. I don't even need to see it. Would you take that offer and show it to your client and present it? And the question is, it's, it is on the market, mm-hmm. right? True. It's, it That's may not true. be shown, but there's still a, a marketplace for it. True. And, um, and so that was the decision on that. Um, so, so what about if I'm at sales meeting on a Tuesday morning and I've got a new listing and I just share it? I, I haven't put it on the MLS. I haven't put a sign. I haven't publicly outside of my office marketed the property, but I mentioned it in my sales meeting. Is that, that does is that an, trigger the rule or not trigger the rule? It does not trigger the rule. So one of the exceptions to this is truly what I would consider to be the, the original pocket listing or the office exclusive listing as it's called. But I can go to my sales meeting for my company and I can say, hey, I've got a two bed, three bath um, house on Main Street that is for sale. I haven't marketed it yet. If anybody in here has a buyer for it and you know of that, please bring it to me. That is not going to be considered on the market. And so the five-day business rule, which is our current listing input rule, applies to that Good situation. Point. So go over that five-day rule. Right there, just so just as a Because refresher. that survives. That's still that a rule. That stays in place, forward. yeah. So, so, so that's it. So it's, it's the same rule we've always had, which is you have five business days from the date you have the list. You took the listing and have a valid listing agreement to put it on the MLS. And during those five days, as long as you don't publicly market it, you can market it within your office. Um, you can work with an individual client on it, um, and it won't trigger the new clear cooperation rule. However, after those five business days, right now and currently and in the future, you can still file an office exclusive form with the MLS. And that form allows you to keep keep it off the MLS for a week, two weeks, or even indefinitely um, if that's the instruction of the seller. The caveat now is you could in the past market the property outside the MLS with that form. You will not be able not to do that. To. Um, starting as soon as you first. do, it triggers the rule. Even Correct. if you had that form, you can't hide behind the form, essentially. Correct. Okay. okay. Awesome. That's good stuff. Yeah. And, and for the agents that... Do, 
use the exclusion form very well. And there's lots of our brokers and agents that do it perfectly, but they, they have the situation where my seller wants to have, I took the listing agreement, my seller wants it off the market for two months while they put in new floors or paint the walls or put a new roof on. As long as they're not marketing that property and you put the exclusion form on file, you are fine with the MLS. And I'm going to ask maybe this silly question. So let's say I, that same scenario, you take the listing on Tuesday and then the seller goes, you know what, I'm just going to redo all the paint and carpet and everything. Do I put it to off market? Is that kind of the same thing if I've, if I've listed it or do I just not even go there, not even put it on the MLS? Am I making, am I getting really confusing here? Nope. I mean, I think it's a great question. Yeah. So if you've put it on, you've already put it on the yeah. MLS. I put it on Wednesday. Yep. Then yeah. you would, the, uh, depending on how you do your business, but you'd move it to off market. That would, re, that would stop the days on market accruing. Okay. Um, and you could leave it in off market For indefinitely until the house is ready to be shown and, and put back on the market. Um, we will tell you that we are going to make an exception on an off-market property to allow the the sign to stay on the property. So okay. um, that was a question that came up: is I have it active and then I take it off? Do I have to take my sign down? And the answer mm-hmm. to that is no. Okay. Uh, but if you're still marketing it on third-party portals and all over the place, that you're telling the world that that property is, is for sale it, and it, able to show. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's a good. So. Um, if the MLS says off market, does that syndicate? It does not. So oh. if you put your property into off market, it will not go on to, it won't, not only will it not syndicate to third party sites, it won't even go out in IDX or Val sites. Oh, okay. I thought you were yep. saying the opposite. So it does stop the syndication of that property. Correct. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Because the policy itself got, went into place January 1. Yes? February 1. Or February, February 1. So it's not, it's not in a couple weeks, Two it'll weeks. be live. But when are we enforcing it? February 1. February 1. Yep. Okay. That's a question. So let's say somebody yep. does break the policy rule. What's the repercussion? Yeah. So the re- our board of directors thought long and hard about this and said, you know, um, is, it, is it a minor fine where you can take a compliance class or maybe pay $20? Or is it, do we need to have a stick behind it? And, and everybody really realized that it's such an important policy that you have to have a, a, a stick that is meaningful enough that enforcement of it will will get people's attention. And so the fine starting February 1st for a violation of this policy is $500. And a great question came up this morning, um, which was, well, well, I'll just pay the $500. It's the cost of doing business and I'll keep it off the MLS and market it. And our answer is that's not how the policy works. So if you have the violation and you have a $500 fine and you don't correct it within three business days, which is our rules, you will get fined again. So there's no one-time payment with a new $500 fee. So there's no magic payment of mm-hmm. money to, 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 to get make around it go this. Away, yeah. Exactly. Brad, is there any fee or penalty to the actual broker? So if, if, Joan, if, if Scott Robbins' agent does this, mm-hmm. is the broker notified or is the broker fined as well? Because technically the listings are the brokers. Mm-hmm. Just a question. So... It's a great question. It's actually a great question, and it's not complicated, but it's complicated. <laughs> so uh, uh, here's the uncomplicated version. So fines are issued just like MLS membership fees are issued to the agents directly. So member okay. agents pay their membership, um, and agents are assessed the fines. At the end of the day, the brokers are responsible for their agents' membership and the brokers' fines. 
because the broker technically owns those listings. Mm -hmm. So we've always administered to the agent, but in the end of the day, just like a website, if you do bad things on your website with your listings, the bro your broker is technically the manager right. of, your, of your website. So the broker, at the end of the day, is responsible for, for every listing violation. But there wouldn't be a separate fine for the broker. There would not be. Dude, this is a now opens Pandora's box. When someone is fined from the MLS, does the broker get notified? It's a great question. I believe so, okay. but I'm not 100%. It may not be on the first notification, but it may be on after a mispayment or okay. a no action. Like, like there's no action to correct it, and the broker. Then, then they'll get them yeah. Hey, Brad, can you just say one thing about new construction? I know how yep. that has been a question. How does this relate to that? New construction, new builds, yep. subdivisions, lots that aren't yet ready to be sold. So those are also really great questions that we're, we're grappling with, and the rule doesn't necessarily address them directly. But our, at, at the outset, our, our belief is to be built and under constructions will not be uh, under the guise of this new policy. Uh, but I always say use common sense. If a property is being – if it's stick-built and it's marketed and being offered for sale – it's a for sale property. If it's a lot where you haven't even determined the prices yet and you just have one big sign up in front of a community with it's going to be built, it's That's very fine. difficult for us to enforce a rule like okay. this. Um, will you go back to, we got a little bit off track. We talked about the sign in the yard being an example of public marketing. What else? So other good examples are, I put it on a third party portal. So a big nationally syndicated website, I put it on there, that would be public marketing. If it's in IDX, if it's on my individual mm -hmm. website mm -hmm. or my broker's website even, mm -hmm. it's it's being publicly marketed. What about a newsletter to your database? Yes, publicly public. marketed. Social media. Publicly marketed. I think the key word is public. Yep. yep. <laughs> People. Listen Outside up. of your office. <laughs> Outside up. of your and office. So like if you're standing in sales meeting going, hey, I have 123 Jones Avenue to my agent's in your office that's not the public right but as soon as you okay well here's another one what about uh coming soon on your facebook same thing public public bam <laughs> is there an escalation to the fees for repeat offenders so the mls has a habitual fine policy that would apply to this and you can you can visit that at the mls website in the rules and fines policy um but it it, it applies to every violation. So if you if you're like a constant repeater, um, there's a, a fine policy that will apply to you. And it's I, I believe it's more than so many violations in a calendar year. And do you, you have can, a blacklist of agents like that? Absolutely not. You're on it, Scott. Because <laughs> my MLS just got cut off. <laughs> I'd like to make one. Just it, it feels so punitive sometimes. But really, the number of actual monetary fines that the MLS issues is super low. I mean, as a percentage of our membership, it is there is not very many. Most people get a violation and they they correct it, um, and so we don't issue that many monetary fines. So we're we we have said it before. We're hoping that we issue none. We don't want to issue one fine on this policy. That's not the goal at all. But hey, we also have to enforce it. Here's here's one more, Brad. You know, sometimes you might you realtors might run into a client that just says, "Listen, I don't want my property on the MLS at all." I mean, it's not like this rule can force somebody to put their home on the MLS. What does it say to that? Great question too. Um, uh, I, I'm going to give you this stat. So the council of multiple listing services, which is uh, equivalent to NAR for MLSs, there's about 220 MLSs that belong to the council. Um, they did, they're doing some surveys and marketing and they found that almost 85% of, of 
people have no idea what the MLS is. In, in fact, when they drill down further, 40% now identify it with Major League Soccer. That's what I was going to say. Okay. I mean, well, that's what's important. So, so, so yeah. a soccer fan. <laughs> so oftentimes we hear that my, my seller instructed me not to put it on the MLS. And, and I'm not going to say that, that it doesn't happen because I'm sure it does. But for the most part, it's more about the overall the marketing and what the agent is saying to the, to the member of the public. Um, so, so, my feeling on it is if a, if the seller, and the seller has to sign our exclusion form, right? They have to actually sign that form that tells them, hey, by signing this form, your listing is not gonna be exposed to 16,500 uh, uh, realtors and all of their clients. Um, and they, they should know that when they sign it. So if yeah. they sign it, they can keep it off the MLS. The, the caveat is that when they signed it before, it could be marketed in other places. This rule will not allow that to happen. So if your client says to you, hey, um, I don't want it on the MLS, but I want it on XYZ website. You, as a member of the MLS, have to have to educate them at that point that you're going to advertise it to these 75,000 people, but not these million people. We can't do that as, as realtors anymore. And we Makes either have sense. to keep it off or we can't put it on. Can you just end with a recap? February 1st, here's what changes. So February 1st, we call it OCHO. That was the name of it at NAR. It's policy OCHO, but it's clear cooperation policy goes into effect. It was It's it's section eight of the MLS model rules, which is why we call it OCHO. Goes into effect in Utah, um, in our market, uh, February 1st. Uh, and just a simple reminder, if you have a listing and you publicly market it, you have one business day to put it on the MLS. Thanks, Brad. Thank Thanks you so for much, having Brad. me. That's awesome. Exciting. Good stuff.